Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most chilled out yet inspirational edition of Nick's Nonfiction here with your host, Nick Muniz. Today on the show, we have got Candace Miller. Candace Dick fit in your ass. <laughs> Candace Miller's The River of Doubt. I'll tone it down. After his humiliating election defeat in 1912, Roosevelt set his sights on the most punishing physical challenge he could find, the first descent of an unmapped rapids of the Amazon. Together with his son Kermit and Brazil's most famous explorer Rondon, Roosevelt accomplished a feat so great that many of his time refused to believe it. In the process, he changed the map of the Western Hemisphere forever. You've seen the meme, us Western men, were born too late to explore the world, born too early to explore the stars, learn just in time to explore our feelings. Walk swiftly and trip over your big dick. Along the way, Roosevelt and his men faced an unbelievable series of hardships, losing their canoes and supplies, enduring starvation, Indian attacks, disease, drowning, murder within their own ranks. Three men died and Roosevelt was brought to the brink of suicide. The River of Doubt brings alive these extraordinary events in a powerful non-fiction narrative thriller. POWERFUL NON-FICTION NARRATIVE THRILLERS! That's the show, baby. Little known fact, Roosevelt had a photographic memory, but only for poetry. Quoth Teddy Roosevelt, nevermore. <laughs> Teddy went to Harvard, and then he dropped out and went to Columbia. He said a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. <laughs> 1908, he was roughhousing in the White House and suffered a detached retina. Good thing he believes in turning the other cheek rather than an eye for an eye. It's a badass story today. We will be right back. About the author Candace Miller. Candace? Harry shit on Instagram, patreon.com slash the niche. Miller grew up in Lexington, Ohio. Meme state! She's a graduate of Baker University and earned a master's degree in literature from Baylor University, only in Ohio. She is a former writer and editor of National Geographic, the author of four books, The River of Doubt, Destiny of the Republic. That one's about the assassination of Garfield. Who even knows that guy? Hero of the Empire, it's a Winston Churchill book, and The River of the Gods, In Search of the Source of the Nile River. Am I retarded, or isn't that just the Mediterranean? I am retarded. Patreon.com slash niche. You are missing out. And Harry shit, free nightly memes. We'll be right back with the story. Chapter 1, The River of Doubt by Candace Dick Fidinoes. Suit America. Quote, Theodore Roosevelt was the main attraction of the Progressive Party's last major rally of the 1912 presidential campaign. He had been criticized for leaving the Republican Party and running as a third-party candidate, but he hoped that this rally would help swing the vote in his favor. The crowd for the election was massive. More than 100,000 people were swarming the sidewalks and choking the surround. Well, actually, I had more people than Obama at my inauguration. 100,000? This is insane. Men and boys nimbly wove their way through the crowd, boldly hawking tickets in plain sight for a hundred uniformed policemen. It seemed like he had the popular support. It's just the whole first point of the first chapter. I don't know why she got political. You're not allowed to go third party, okay? They're going to blackball you from Washington, D.C. 
In Madison Square Garden, Roosevelt delivered his last great campaign speech. He did not attack his opponents, but instead spoke in broad terms in character, moral strength, compassion, and responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2024 presidential debates, it's about to be a yo mama competition. It's friggin... <laughs> He's saying, I'm not going to disrespect anybody. He's there to inspire people. I guess that worked more back in the day. He's standing on the stage, Madison Square Garden. He's like, in six days, I'm kicking off the campaign trail. And this goes nowhere. Taft winds up winning a second term. So Teddy renounces his Republicanship. The old colleagues shun him. It's a ton of bad news. After his father's funeral, Roosevelt went into seclusion to mourn. He emerged determined to survive any loss. In 1884, he was called home by a telegraph. When he arrived, he found that two most important women in his life were dying. Roosevelt's second wife, Edith, knew what was coming. She had witnessed her husband's reaction to sorrow and disappointment and knew he would not rest until he found some physically punishing adventure that took him far from home. In 1913, three months after Roosevelt's election defeat, the postman who delivered first-class mail to Sagamore Hill delivered a letter from Argentina. It was a formal three-page letter from the president of Argentina, Emilio Ferrez, inviting Roosevelt to speak at their museum. That's pretty sick, an all-expenses-paid trip, and all Teddy's got to do is keep the tablet of Achman Ross so the museum pieces don't come to life. Robin Williams, that's who this book is really about. Roosevelt had a very personal reason for wanting to take this trip, to see his son Kermit and Miss Piggy, who had been living and working in South America for more than a year. Kermit was a quiet middle child, the third of Roosevelt's six children. He was smart, disciplined, skilled. Roosevelt was interested in the Amazon because it was a natural Shangri-La. It was a vast, largely unknown, unexplained interior that offered the kind of unbound, unfamiliar frontier any harsh physical adventure would attract. And he's been thinking about it his whole life. She's got more backstory. Roosevelt was a naturalist before he was a president, a rough rider, a cowboy. He was just a boy walking up Broadway in New York City, headed to the market to buy some strawberries when he spied a dead seal that had been killed in the harbor. There was this whole story he tried to tell the authorities and he got to speak to the mayor. And they were like, shut the hell up, kid. This is none of your... Yeah, we sell seal meat in New York City. Old teacher of Teddy's was Father Zom. He invites him for the trip, so they got a priest on board. That guy invites a sporting goods store owner, Rogers Pete. This is basically Teddy's crew. The expedition was planned to start in Buenos Aires, Argentina. A travel boat northward up the length of the continent from navigable nivers of the Amazon. After reaching the Amazon, Roosevelt was considered traveling up to the Rio Negro, whose black waters famously mix with the Café Arlit colored Amazon at the junction of the two. Bro, the Amazon River looks like Willy Wonka's Chocolate River. And then he's going to the River of Doubt, which is one of these black rivers. Nobody knows why. They're off to a choppy start. The expedition's boats were a mess, and Fiala was trying to provide the rest of the team's needs. He ordered pancake flour, sliced bacon, boned chicken, dehydrated potatoes, safety matches, and soap. The American Museum of Natural History was looking for someone to accompany Roosevelt into the Amazon who had first-hand experience in that part of the world. They chose ornithologist George Cherry, who had spent the past quarter century collecting birds in South America. The addition of Cherry and Miller to the expanding team along with Roosevelt's planned not changing eased Osborne's mind. 
There were plenty of rugged, experienced naturalists to accompany Roosevelt. On the morning of October 4, 1913, Roosevelt set sail for South America. He had provoked more controversy in South America than any other region of the world, and his policies were not well liked. The whole time, South America is protesting the Monroe Doctrine. And that was that thing in 1820 we were saying we don't stand for puppet governments or sham democracies. <laughs> How the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> South America doesn't like us at the time. They initially set sail from Argentina up to Brazil. It's called the Van Dyke Expedition. The expedition was becoming more and more electric with each passing hour. At 1 p.m., the final sound gonged, warning everyone was not just a passenger to head to shore or find himself steaming towards Barbados. Just as Roosevelt was beginning to think that his ornithologist was not going to make it, Cherry raced up the pier and onto the ship. Guy was busy watching birds. I'm a hornithologist. <laughs> The expedition was finally underway, and the men were focused on achieving something significant. Roosevelt had put the Progressive Party and his failed campaign behind him, and his thoughts were focused on achieving something significant in the... Say it again, why don't you, Candace? He starts out... It's <laughs> just a good old father-son trip at the beginning. During the voyage, the sun-soaked Bahia, the day-to-day -day routine of eating, reading, sleeping, gave way to more unusual activities. One particularly rowdy event was a pillow fight between two men. Bow-chicka-wow-wow! They're having pillow fights. <laughs> While Roosevelt was having a good time on the Van Dyke, his son Kermit was writing a letter to Miss Pitt, I mean Belle Willard. He had come to the conclusion that he could not live without her. He wanted her to marry him. Roosevelt has to lay it on easy. Son, these women don't give a fuck about us. <laughs> the Van Dyke, with Roosevelt on board, travels to Brazil to explore the Amazon River. The river's mouth is so vast that the island that rests in the middle of it, Mariaro, is nearly the size of Switzerland. That's insane. <laughs> Stop here for a few days. They totally are abandoning Zom's itinerary, that priest. On October 18th, 1913... The Van Dyke landed in Bahia, Brazil, where Roosevelt was waiting for his parents. What? Yeah, they went to visit him in Rio, I forgot. <laughs> he wanted to make sure he was in Rio by October 21 in time for meeting he had arranged with the Minister of Foreign Affairs. The River of Doubt was still a mystery that needed to be solved. It was unknown even by the most accurate and detailed maps of South America, and it ran through a dense, tangled jungle that had a dark history of destroying the men who hopped it. Dude, I had this thought this week. Yeah, a lot of men get lost in the woods. More men have found themselves in the woods. Yeah, the American History Museum, they keep telling him, Teddy, do not go to that fucking river. Crewmate Osborne, he has the most YOLO out of anyone. And he's like, nah, it's going to be fun. So they're still determined. They get a couple new motor votes, new provisions, and they're back in the boat. Roosevelt's speech in support of the Panama Canal was a masterful display of public relations. It was a topic that stirred him up, but he knew how to appeal to public. Like we're saying, all of Panama, South America hated him because he was instrumental in that. It destroyed local economies. Cry about it. We saved you eight hours on a boat ride. Kermit saw the speech. He was inspired. And yeah, he's like, I don't need that girl anymore. Maybe she was a bitch. Chapter 2, Into the Wilderness. 
After almost two months in South America, Roosevelt had finally completed his social duties and could now devote himself entirely to his long-anticipated expedition into the Amazon. So remote was this region he had agreed to explore, however, that even getting into the River of Doubt would require a journey of at least two more months, first by boat and then on muleback crossing into Brazil on the board of the Paraguay River. Roosevelt and his many men would continue upstream as far as possible. Many men! Dismembered at the telegraph station in the frontier town called Tapirawan. Teddy meets another explorer on the morning of December 12, 1913. Colonel Candido Rondon was anxiously waiting the arrival of the Paraguayan president. Rondon was born in western Brazil, the state of Mato Grosso, in a little town called Mimiso. It was 20 miles south of the state capital, Cuiaba. He grew up in isolation from the rest of Brazil and experienced great loss at a young age. Rondon was a member of Brazil's positivist movement, which believed in scientific knowledge and observed fact over mysticism and blind faith. You're not going to like it here, Rondon. <laughs> he wanted to serve not just his country, but its most disenfranchised and endangered inhabitants, the Indians. He's anti-mystic, and he's going to go try to be friends with Indians. <laughs> now we got a guy on board who's saying he kind of understands the natives. Rondon is like the number two man. Him and Teddy have basically nothing in common, only the fact that they were military officers. They're in this town. Miller, Cherry, the entire American crew, they've been waiting there for three weeks for Roosevelt. They had been impressed by their first glimpses of town, but it did not take long for the romance to wear thin. Roosevelt was also known for his endurance, and proved it on the New Year's Day 1914 at a 5 a.m. breakfast. Full of sardines, ham, coffee, and biscuits, Roosevelt, Kermit, and a handful of comrades headed out for a jaguar hunt near the banks of the San Lorenzo River. Comrades on a jaguar hunt, let's go. <laughs> when the expedition reached Tapriocan, Roosevelt was shocked to find that the villages had been in complete chaos. The Americans had brought far more baggage than Rondon had expected, and the animals needed to be trained. He was only successful in speeding up the... What happened? Did the jaguar get let loose? He was only successful in speeding up the expedition's departure by convincing Rondon to divide the nearly 200 pack animals into two separate detachments. They have an army of jaguars. I'm kidding. This is when they get all the mules. The Brazilian highlands are a large ancient plateau that spans 580,000 square miles. They are as diverse as they are vast. The first day of Tapriocan, the expedition passed through an open pasture land that was dotted with widely spaced trees. On the second day, the men plunged into dense tropical jungle. Next day, they stumbled across, like, unopened supply crates. It's probably from a previous mule train, so they have a bunch more rations. Three Brazilian doctors, a lieutenant, a botanist, lost all faith in what they now believed was a fatally unorganized and mismanaged edition. expedition. My bad. So, like, even on the friggin' Brazilian side, he has better men than the Americans. The guy Cherry... He's the one with the widest range of experience. He was silent the entire time. One night, Teddy got hot. He's talking about his cavalry battles, and he rescued the quartermaster from a blind side. He was saying the enemy was trotting up behind him. He stabbed the guy in the back of the chaos. Cherry is like, something was on your side in that battle. And Roosevelt's like, yeah. If any of you aren't right with God at this point, you probably won't make it through the jungle. 
And then you got uh, Rondon, who's like, oh, this is Western essay talk, man. It's all science. <laughs> <laughs> they found a Mexican guy who doesn't believe in Jesus. Father Zom goes, this is Western defeatism. I've studied with the locals. <laughs> so if death is beyond us, then we aren't able to take actions to prolong life. Okay, then dump out your bag right now. You know, having a good debate here. The father's trying to get at Rondon. January 25th, they pull up to the town of Utiarty. Roosevelt called this a temporary victory over nature. Uh, and like, I don't know if you're trying to make me a naturalist today, the mystic. Nature is trying to kill you. You got to put your crystals away and have a fucking mission plan. You're in do or die mode. Three huge all-terrain trucks are waiting for them at the village. Kermit, the son, he comes down with malaria. Saddle up, kid. <laughs> Little malaria will put some hair on your chest. <clears throat> Teddy sends Father Zom home at this point. He's like, you're too old, and you're only going to anger Rondon more. Go home. After leaving Utaritari, the mule train resumed its journey toward the headwaters of the River of Doubt. Adhering to the crude trail blazed by the Rondon Commission, every morning the men were startled out of their sleep by a sharp bugle. The Americans and the Brazilians' officers were forced to stand in the rain for hours while they waited the mule train to arrive with their tents. The weather only got worse as the expedition went on. Days of marching. Roosevelt is sniffing out the weaklings. Fiala. That was the guy who had some experience with Arctic exploration, not translating to a rainforest. He's a seaman stuck in a bush. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> they finally reached the Jurena River. And met with some bad news there. Fayala almost drowned. He was in the back of the expedition. He's still alive. It's just adding to the bad vibes. Everyone's pretty scared at this point. They start hearing legends of the Nahambiquara tribe. They'll skin you in your sleep. Rondon said they tried to kill him on a previous expedition. I thought this guy was one with the natives. <laughs> They're extremely isolated, but they send sentinels out to follow people going down the rivers. Quick aside in Teddy's journal, he was trashing Rondon. His injunction against violence directed at an Indian was categorical. He valued the lives of the Amazonian Indians above his own life and the lives of his men. <laughs> Trudging deeper into Nambik territory, when the expedition took stock of their supplies, they found the grueling months since leaving Taripana had taken a far greater toll than anyone had realized. The remaining rations would not come close to feeding the 16 comrades who were done the hardest work of paddling the expedition boats, and the portaging of its equipment. Chapter 3. The Descent If Roosevelt and his men had been able to soar over the rainforest like hawks, the River of Doubt would have looked like a black ribbon candy nestled in the endless expanse of green. The expedition was finally preparing to descend upon the Amazon basin from the Highland Plateau. The River of Doubt is just as dangerous as the Madeira River, if not more so. It is a gamble of life or death proportions, because once the men of the expedition launch their boats, they will no longer be able to turn around. Roosevelt reflecting in silence. He was reminded of the difficulties and uncertainties that lay ahead. He had not prepared for this part of the journey. <laughs> He's been preparing his whole life. 
The most immediate problem was how to navigate the river itself. The danger was the eddy line, where the current which is running downstream meets the eddy which is handling upstream. <laughs> cheap eddy, I'm thinking of that vodka. Deep eddy, cheap eddy. It's the way of the water. The differences between the American and the Brazilian leaders grew wider as the expedition progressed. Roosevelt and Kerbet wanted nothing more than to move ahead quickly, while Rondon was prepared to have his men dig more often than not. Roosevelt admits in his diary he's scared of Rondon's men. The comrades were willing to mutiny at any moment. It took time for me to know their paddlers and learn who was trustworthy and who should be avoided. They had to share tents. <laughs> And, you know, they sleep wherever they could find. You got a root in your back and you're using a stone as a pillow. Been there. They had one other lighter tent. It was reserved for anyone who became too sick to walk. February 27th, 1914. Roosevelt prepared to depart. He cut his hair, borrowed $520 from Miller's Museum money, and treated his men to a feast at the first store they encountered. The expedition's seven dugouts snaked their way through the jungle single file. The jungle was thickest at the river's edge where the Crees crowded along the banks in a timeless battle for sunlight. Rondon was interested in geographical precision, and he was determined to survey the river. He established a fixed station method of survey, which required repeated detailing measurement and frequent stops. The expedition had to stop several times to set up the sighting rod, and took them six hours to travel six miles. Tried to be a surveyor for two weeks, and then they drug test you. The first camp of the River of Doubt was a little more than a crude clearing in the dense bushes and trees. It took the men hours to clear the areas of trees and vines. They were able to form a little open island in the sea of trees. The rainforest was not a paradise, but a battlefield where every creature fought to survive. It was not a sanctuary, but a place where everything was connected and every inch of space was alive. Day two on the River of Doubt. The eddies are getting so deep, they gotta put outriggers on their boats made of palm trees. As the men of the expedition rose and started their morning routines, Roosevelt was able to admire the complexity of the jungle before him. He could only guess at the mysteries that it held beyond his views. Goes into this big fucking evolutionary rant. The jungle is competition, you see, Darwin. Day two still. Rondon's men notice Teddy are giving his guys a little bit more leash now that they're on the actual mission. He's giving them trust. As a result, he was better liked. He had endured some cold nights hunting down runaway cattle in the Dakota Badlands, but he had never had to bring a band of starving, desperate men out of the jungle. This trip was difficult, and the rain made things even worse. The jungle either steamed with humidity or sagged under a heavy downpour. Rain drummed on the river, ran off their hats, dripped down their backs, and pulled in their shoes. The men were surrounded by sounds that they did not understand. Dude, sometimes you're camping and you hear what sounds like screeching metal. You know, what animal makes that sound at the moment of death? Unpredictable noises. They hear this hissing thing coming from the water that later turns out to be a 15-foot caiman, and it was stalking them the entire night. Roosevelt had to tell his men to cup their giblets when they were bathing. You know those piranhas? They see your willy as a hot dog. And they also have those urethra fish he was talking about. <laughs> they got pit vipers out there. March 1. They come across an abandoned town. What drove the people away? Wildlife natives? Teddy goes, no, no, no. It's probably the most common defense tactic in the Amazon. Camouflage. So Teddy's on ultimate high alert. The natives are watching us. 
The sloth is a perfect example of how the world's animals have evolved to avoid being seen. It is virtually impossible to see a sloth as it moves so slowly, which makes it almost impossible to catch. He's going, maybe this is why Rondon takes a snail's pace. <laughs> the River of Doubt was a crystal clear river that was also home to many rapids. The men were surprised by the transformation of their placid river into a seething cauldron of white water. The portage around the first set of rapids took place two and a half days. They had to cut down trees, drag the canoes across them using axes and machetes. The men made it around the first set of rapids, which Rondon had named Navate Rapids, after the Indians he believed lived at the foot. March 5th, they noticed that the forest on either side of them was growing denser and denser. They keep pushing deeper. They have this like second set of rapids where they have to choose where to go. They stupidly split up, and then, like, three miles later, they meet back up. They're like, we'll never split up again. Teddy's realizing in the first week that there's nothing to hunt. The jaguars that they were eating, <laughs> I guess they don't exist anymore, but it's so dense that there aren't even wild boars. Hope you packed enough bacon, Teddy. So far, they've covered a total of 75 miles in 12 days. That's nothing. They only have enough food for 35 days. Chapter 4, Iron Cruelty. On the morning of March 15th, they make it through the worst of the rapids, survive several weeks of those white caps, had to build new canoes. While they're exhausted, they feel like they've been through the worst of it. This is kind of when the story goes into overdrive. It's page 350 out of 400. This is going to be the last chapter. One night, the expedition's traveling in the dark. They got the canopy of trees above them so the moonlight isn't making it through. Everything is black, even the whitewater rapids. One of their boats becomes detached from the main boat, and Roosevelt has to jump into the river to save the other boat from floating off. Roosevelt, still wearing his heavy hobtailed boots, watched as a snake's short fangs plunged through the tough leather and spilled its venom down the side of his boot. He had been spared an agonizing certain death by a quarter inch of leather. Little did he know, another snake made it up his pant leg and was giving him some poison. So Teddy didn't even know, and throughout the night, his leg is starting to swell up. They wake up, and he's surrounded by a group of Rondon's men. They're pointing at him. What the? Roosevelt hits him with the famous, Only those who are fit to live who do not fear death. They're like, Teddy, you're definitely going to die. Look at your leg. <laughs> you should have told us. And he's like, I didn't even know that I was dying. There are these 500-pound anacondas on the bank of the river, and I got nipped by a tiny water snake. He's diseased. Roosevelt is prepared to take the vial of poison that he packed away, but Kermit, like, takes it away from him. No, no, no Muppets die. He insists the next day groups of villagers that are going to be willing to help him, but they don't encounter villages for weeks. Ultimately, Rondon is in charge of everybody's survival. He basically takes them through the rest of the river. Roosevelt is bandaged up in the canoe. They say he remained a positive morale booster. Tell Osborne I have already lived and en enjoyed as much as my life as nine other men combined. I have had many full share, and it is necessary for me to leave my bones in South America. I will be quite ready to do so.
Nobody thinks he's going to make it out. Almost a year of wandering and floating on the river of doubt. And they fucking finally make it out. (laughs) Teddy lost three quarters of his original body weight. You know, in that time, it was when he was thinking about killing himself. Three of Rondon's men killed each other. They did pass a couple of natives, but they didn't wind up being aggressive. That's why I kind of blew over that. They were pointing at him like, why are you guys carrying a corpse around? And then Teddy would raise his arm out of the canoe. He was too weak to sit up. (laughs) He's like 60 pounds. Rondon returned home a hero and remained one for the rest of his life. He was hounded by photographers and journalists inviting him to meet the president of Brazil. It's a big quote here. FDR sent Kermit to Alaska. It would prove to be his final adventure. At 52 years of age, just three years younger than his father, he had been where he had set out together on the River of Doubt. Kermit's body was so broken and ill-used that he could not do much more than sit at a local restaurant and drink wine. He had taken airmen into letting him ride along on their mission to bomb Japanese strongholds in the Aleutians. <laughs> you know, Teddy said he like couldn't walk after this for the rest of his life. Rondon further credited as Brazil's best explorer ever. He kind of sounds like a tag-along to me. (laughs) They credit Rondon with rediscovering an area of Brazil double the size of Britain. So the Brazilians renamed the River of Doubt the Roosevelt Rio. There it is. The River of Doubt by Candice Miller. No one was taking notes anymore because Teddy was basically dead. Rondon got him out of there. Ron John, John Ronson. Teddy got bitten by motherfucking snake blood. He's got the will of the warrior. Nothing can kill a rough rider. It's a sick story. We're going to have to de- dip, a de- back deep, a dip, a dip, dip, dip into the Teddy Roosevelt rabbit hole one day. Maybe something about the politics. But that was a good character testimony just to get us started. Next week on the show, we got a mystery edition. So check out that Patreon, patreon.com slash niche. $1, $3, $6.99 tier. Harry Schwann on Instagram for completely free. It was a fun one. Seriously, thank you, the Knickers, for being here. Let's get a random soundboard effect to end it. It's me drinking some hot tea on a camp out. Get out there, play in your own adventures. I love you guys. See you in seven short days. Peace.